Greetings from St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, here in the very heart of the City of London. We're delighted that you're joining us for this podcast. Our overarching theme at this time of year is Kingdom, the Kingship of Christ, and also Remembrance, hence the red altar frontal behind me. Do please leave a comment or a like and tell us where you're listening from. It's always good to hear from you. And if you would like to donate to help support these online services, you'll find details of how to do so in the accompanying text. But now, may the light and peace of Christ be with you all as our worship begins. A very warm welcome to St Bride's to our service of choral evensong on this, the third Sunday before Advent. Wherever you are in the world, and however you're listening to us, we hope that you will feel that you are very much part of the St Bride's family. Beloved, we are come together in the presence of Almighty God and of the whole company of heaven to offer unto him through our Lord Jesus Christ, our worship and praise and thanksgiving, to make confession of our sins, to pray as well for others as for ourselves, that we may know more truly the greatness of God's love and show forth in our lives the fruits of his grace, and to ask on behalf of all men such thing as, things as their well-being doth require, Wherefore, let us kneel now and humbly confess our sins to Almighty God. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. 
we have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and there is no help in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare thou them, O God, which confess their faults. Restore thou them that are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind, in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. May the almighty and merciful Lord grant unto you pardon and remission of all your sins, time for amendment of life, and the grace and comfort of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
The Old Testament is written in the first book of Kings, chapter 3, beginning at the first verse. And Solomon made affinity with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he had made an end of building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall of Jerusalem round about. Only the people sacrificed in high places because there was no house built unto the name of the Lord unto those days. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father, only he sacrificed and burned incense in high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. A thousand burnt offerings did Solomon offer upon that altar. In Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David my father great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, Thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father. And I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people which thou hast chosen. A great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge those people that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this, thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither has asked for riches for thyself, nor has asked the life of thine enemies, but thou has asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words, though I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, Neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honour, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. And if thou wilt walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments, as thy father David did walk, then I will lengthen thy days. And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offerings and offered peace offerings and made a feast to all his servants. This is the word of the Lord.
New Testament lesson is written in the Letter to the Romans, chapter 8, beginning at the 31st verse. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own Son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him now also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long, we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord.
I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Father, whose will is to restore all things in thy beloved Son, the King of all, govern the hearts and minds of those in authority and bring the families of the nations, divided and torn apart by the ravages of sin, to be subject to his just and gentle rule, who liveth and reigneth with thee, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, 
now and forever. O God, from whom all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works do proceed, give unto thy servants that peace which the world cannot give, that both our hearts may be set to obey thy commandments, and also that by thee, we being defended from the fear of our enemies, may pass our time in rest and quietness through the merits of Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Lighten our darkness, we beseech thee, O Lord, and by thy great mercy defend us from all perils and dangers of this night. For the love of thy only Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ.
St Paul is the author of the reading from Romans that we just heard. He's a very controversial character. Before I was a Christian, I vaguely associated him with the hatred of women and people from minority groups. Even when I first went to theological college at Oxford, I was very anti-Paul. But the more I read the Bible, and the more I thought about it, I became convinced otherwise, and I see my ministry of preaching now, in part, is to rehabilitate Paul. I now think that he was an extraordinary liberal person in many ways, and that he was way ahead of his time. He's certainly someone I look forward to spending time with when I go to heaven and attend the heavenly banquet. Let's try to get the measure of him. There is a poignant moment in the New Testament when he leaves his congregation as he is about to head to Rome on a fool's mission to try to speak to or convert Nero and it ultimately ends in his death. He's on the beach with the people he has been pastor to, just regular people. And they absolutely love him, it's clear. They don't want him to go. They're upset. They're grateful to him. And you don't get all those things if the person is a bully or a monster. My guess is they accepted his faults, which I'm sure were many, but they loved him and they respected him. Paul's life is a glorious shambles, a disaster, really. He makes huge blunders. He stumbles into controversy. He falls out with his friends, is unreasonable, is reconciled. He has an awful medical condition. Perhaps it's something like near blindness. We're not quite sure. He acknowledges that he's a terrible preacher. Indeed, so bad is he that someone nearly dies having fallen asleep and fallen out of a window during one of his talks. There is speculation that his wife had divorced him when he became a Christian. He was feared and people were suspicious of him, but the thing is, he was brave and truthful and compassionate and always prepared to stick up for the underdog. We get a picture of Paul's state of mind, his psyche, in a way that we get with no one else in the New Testament. To be frank, Paul is a bit of a mess at times. He has what we would now call low self-esteem. He says that he considers himself to be the worst person in the world. He certainly suffers with his nerves. He talks about shaking uncontrollably, being anxious, and we know that he can feel melancholy and that he was a failure. Of course, he has a death on his conscience, the first Christian martyr, Stephen, when he stood there and perhaps ordered it. And so when he talks about love and finding peace, we do well to listen to him, and the reading we've just had is truly beautiful. What a mind the man had. I think, actually, that he's the most modern of all the people we meet in the Bible. The reading we've just had, we often give at funerals. I like to use it because it's a great comfort when people are bereaved and everything seems to be over, that to hear, in fact, that there is hope and that one day we will all be together again. The message is that love wins. Love is eternal. And I think that all of us, people of faith or not, have a great longing and understanding of that. I certainly do. Paul explains the fundamentals of the faith. He says, We can totally trust to to have God on our side because we've been acquitted of all that's wrong with us through Jesus' sacrifice and... We can never, will never be separated from him and his love for us. This is a recipe for, even in the great storms of life, peace. In the end, it seems to say, 
all shall be well. God is our advocate. He stands up for us. And I know how important it is to have someone to stand up for us. Because however tough we are, we all need it. We can never be tougher in the end than what life has to throw at us. I remember seeing my father ravaged by motor neurone just before he died. Boy, was he tough, an East Ender, an ex-debt collector, someone who loved his family. But the disease that he had was, or at least seemed, to be tougher than he was. It was terrible to go and see him in his room, unable to move or swallow. But that's where we were. It seemed that life had defeated him. Paul lists the things that threatened to drive a wedge between us and God. And it's brutal and it's totally truthful. But first, a note on how he introduces this list. Remember, Paul had undergone a dramatic conversion on the road to Damascus. He'd been rendered blind for a while and his world crashed down around him when he realised the very uncomfortable truth that you can't get to God or win his love through following the rules. No, God's grace is a free gift, unearned but offered. And he says this, I have come to believe that. It isn't a set of orders or commands. In fact, he's been persuaded by experience, by study, by talking with people, by praying, that this is the new thrilling reality, that God is here among us, and nothing at all can keep him and his love for us away. Back to the things that Paul describes as barriers. The first one is life itself and how true life gets in the way, doesn't it? Busyness, adversity, success, illness, you name it. The day-to-day business of life can make it seem very hard to maintain the faith, to know that God loves us. Another barrier is death. Well, it would be, wouldn't it, if it wasn't the end? But Paul says it isn't the end. And so it is no barrier. God's love extends beyond the grave into eternity. Another barrier are angels, which seems odd to us. But the Jewish wisdom of the time had it that angels were antagonistic towards humans, almost jealous that God had made us. Paul says that the powers of darkness can't stand against the love of God. And maybe we've all had times when we've felt that impending sense of evil. He also speaks that the world as it is, broken and sometimes dispiriting and disappointing, cannot keep us away from God's love, and that what to come is glorious. None of it can stand in the way of the fierce love of God for us. As C.S. Lewis had it, this is no tame lion. I wonder if that's uncomfortable, but I find it comforting. I too have that understanding that God's all-consuming love, wild, unabandoned love, is for us. Which brings me finally to the story of my father and the love of God and his final days with motor neuron. We had an uneasy relationship at times. I found him difficult, and as I say it now, I blush. But we both wanted our relationship to work. And then Dad got motor neuron and eventually he was in a care home. And I still had many resentments towards him, which was wrong really, but that's how it was. And I spoke out that resentment in prayer to God. And I remember clearly hearing God say to me, leave your dad with me, go and love him. And so that day I went to see him, held his hand and told him I had become a Christian. He asked me to bring my Bible. He told me that he'd stopped believing as a boy when his father was killed in the war, but he wanted to believe. And we read the story of the prodigal son, and he said, yes, I do believe. And he said, I am sorry. And he left me with a precious gift when he said, you've made my life good. So I was freed. 
from guilt. I was acquitted, knowing that we'd be together in the loving arms of God. St Paul had a glimmering understanding of the fierce love of God. My prayer is that you too will feel it in the coming days and weeks. Amen. Father, we pray for our troubled world. We ask you to bring peace and an end to suffering of those who are in distress, who are in hunger, who are the victims of war and persecution. Bring people of peace and goodwill. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. Father, we pray for this great city of ours, the greatest city the world has ever seen. We pray for those who are lonely this evening, for those who are sick and ill, and those who want friendship. We pray thanks for those who work with the vulnerable, who work with those who are prisoners in all respects. We pray for those that keep the infrastructure of this great city going. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, we pray for this great church of St Bride's, for its place in the history of this city and for all that is to come. We pray for those who work here, who worship here and who visit. We pray for the ministry of this beautiful church, for its music, for its joy and its hospitality. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. Father, we pray for our loved ones, for those we are concerned about, and now in this silence, we lift their names to you. We gather up these names, Lord. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. And finally, we pray for ourselves. We pray that you would fill us with love and joy and hope, that you would help us to serve you that you would send us out into the world as beacons of light and hope, that you would help us with all that ails us, that you would calm us, soothe us, and fill us full of courage and love. Merciful Father, accept, accept these, these prayers, prayers for, for the, the sake, sake of thy Son, 
our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. of God which passeth all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always.